All right, welcome. That is our video for anyone who had fallen asleep in church. You're now awake. Now, in this series, Autocorrect, we're talking about how God cares about the very real areas of our lives. And one of those is our grief and our tragedy. And I scheduled that message for next week because I thought the Colts were going to win yesterday. If I had known they were going to lose, we'd be talking about grief and tragedy today. Uh, but we will be next week. Today, we're going to talk about another area of our lives that's really real. And to get us into it, I have to tell you a true story. I was hanging out with one of my buddies, and he told me this story about his kids. They're about the age of my kids, elementary age. He's got a daughter who's probably about seven or eight. And she had this baby doll that she really wanted called a baby alive, okay? And if you've got little girls, maybe you've heard of a baby alive, you can pour water into them so that they do real things that somehow kids find entertaining, okay? And so this, his, his daughter really wanted one of these Baby Alive dolls. It was $40, and she didn't have the money, and so she talked her older brother into lending her the $40. And he said as a dad that he's watching this whole thing, and he kind of counseled both of them um, to the daughter, I don't think you're going to, you know you'll have to pay that back. And to the older brother, you know, have you, pretty much have you run a credit report on your sister? Do you, do you know for sure that she'd pay it back? Well, they, they struck up their bargain and she went to the store and she got her baby alive and she was really excited for a while. And then while she was pouring some of the water into it for it to do its little functions, uh, some of the water somehow got into the computer part of it and it no longer works. And so a birthday came up and she got like $20 and so she's paid for half of the doll. She still owes $20 on it, but it doesn't work anymore. And he was describing to me, by the way, I think this is great parenting, how he has not come to the rescue. Uh, how he's letting his son see what it was like to lend money to someone. And he's letting his daughter see what it's like to make payments on something that you were really excited about but now are not as excited about. And as he was describing to me the emotion of what she felt as she now kind of understands that she didn't, you know, count the cost before she built the tower on this one. As he was describing that emotion, I thought, that's you know, such a great illustration because we've all had that emotion. As grown-ups, uh, we've all had that emotion where we look at what we owe or we look at where our money is and we think, or isn't, and we think... You know, the choices I made seemed really good in the moment, and I meant the best, but I'm not where I want to be financially. I didn't want to owe $20 on a doll that doesn't work anymore. So here's the question we're asking today. How can you transform your financial situation, or how can you transform paying bills from a monthly migraine or fight with your spouse to a time where you're actually doing a little touchdown dance because you, you look at the bills and it's like, wow, we spent exactly what we wanted. We saved exactly what we wanted and way to go team, we're winning. Believe it or not, that's possible. And uh, you're sitting in a movement of people where dozens of families have moved from being in a place where their finances were a complete fearful panic to a place where they're in complete freedom and in complete control of their finances. I remember experiencing this when I was working full-time as a news reporter, as a journalist. The first time I got a big raise, I thought, oh, I'm going to get so far ahead now. And three or four months later, I looked back and I thought, okay, I know I'm making more money, but how am I not ahead? 
right? I, I, we, we all can relate to this. Maybe it's that you have gotten a raise and you haven't gotten ahead, or maybe it's that you've just fallen way far behind, and none of us do it on purpose. It's exactly what this series is about. We're all trying our hardest. We're doing our best, but life is expensive. It's busy. It's hard. It's complicated, and sometimes we just wonder, how could I make my finances something that is a win instead of a constant loss. Well, as we always do here, we open the word of God to find his answers to our problems in life. And I think you'll be surprised today at how specifically God speaks to your finances. Let's look at this passage in Psalm 119. It says this, I will walk in freedom for I have devoted myself to your commandments or your ways. That's talking about the word of God. Now, this Hebrew word here for walk in freedom, the original word, it's this idea of a wide open field. In other words, when I apply God's wisdom to different areas of my life, it sets me free. And what we're learning in this series is that God cares about all the domains of your life. And this principle actually applies to your finances. Yeah, let's look at this pie chart. Forgive me for saying pie chart in church, okay? But let's look at this graph, this visual of the domains of our life, okay? We saw this in week one, that this autocorrect series, it's really a series to help us understand that the word of God speaks to all the areas of our lives. And these are universal domains that you have in your life, I have in mind, we all do. We all have a family domain in our life. We all have a career, or if you're a retiree, you still need some kind of purpose. If you're a student, you can put school there. We all have a financial domain. We all have a spiritual domain. We all have a domain of our physical health, of our body, our mental health, and our thoughts. And the reality is that very often in church, we go very deep in this spiritual domain. And you'll be here for some series where we go really, really deep on that. What we're doing in this series is we want you to understand that God cares about every area of your life. And he has very practical wisdom that you can use this week in every area of your life. And so today we're going to look at this finance domain. And here's what we're learning. God's wisdom can lead me to financial freedom. God's wisdom can lead me to a place where I own my stuff instead of my stuff owning me. The reality is that most of us mentally, emotionally, psychologically, our debts, our stuff, our payments owns us a lot more than we own it. It controls us more than we control it. And God wants you in a place, and you're going to see today very practical steps you can take so that if you're faithful with these steps, you can be in a place where you're in control of your finances rather than them controlling you. And believe it or not, every month when you do the bills, it can be a touchdown dance celebration rather than a time of mourning or of fighting. Well, let's contrast God's wisdom with ours. Because if we were just to ask ourselves, how do I get ahead financially or how do I get out of debt? Here's what most of us would say, make more money right? If you're $400 a month short, what's the solution? Well, make $400 a month more. That's what most of us think. Now, there's nothing wrong with making more money. There's nothing wrong with having money. It's a, a great thing. It's a tool that you can use to help others, to live a life of freedom, to invest in God's kingdom. There's nothing wrong with making more money. But here's why making more money is not the solution to most of our financial problems. It's this term that lifestyle experts have developed called lifestyle creep. 
Now, the first time I read this term, I thought it was like some creepy person who's sneaking around your house looking in the windows. But lifestyle creep is this idea that when you get a raise, you tend to then spend the raise. And that every time Americans make a little more money, we tend to start spending it very quickly. And by the way, lifestyle creep, don't feel guilty or ashamed or you know, like you're a terrible person if it applies to your situation, because it applies to almost all of us. And the reason for that is that we're targeted nonstop on social media, every football game we watch, everywhere we go, there are advertisements and assumptions that make us think that anytime we make a little more money, we need to spend it right away. Here's a really concrete example of lifestyle creep, and I'll say up front, nothing wrong with new cars. You guys know I'm a car person. I love cars, okay? But this is just a practical example. Let's say tomorrow you go into work and your boss says, hey, you're doing a great job. Congratulations. We're going to give you a raise. And you do the math and it's $200 a month more. You think, wow, $200 a month more? This is great. But then you get out to your car and, you know, it kind of struggles to start and it takes a long time to heat up and you think, man, this car is getting so old. I'm just going to go take a look and see what else there is. So you go and take a look and, you know, you're paying 200 a month on the car you have and you go and look and you're as, you know, for that same amount, you could get, oh man, but for 400 a month, well, I'm making 200 a month more now. So really my life won't change at all. So then you, you get the new car. And again, there's nothing wrong with a new car, but in this scenario, you apply all of your raise to getting the the 400 a month payment, what you don't realize is with the 400 a month payment comes, you know, 30 or 40, however much thousand in debt. So now, even though you got a raise, you're actually in more debt. This is what lifestyle creep is, and it applies to the vast majority of Americans. Don't feel like a failure. If it applies to you, it applies to most Americans. Here are some dramatic examples. Celebrities who've made millions of dollars and spent it all and lost it all and have had to declare bankruptcy. And, you know, those of us who've never made millions of dollars, like myself, we look at that and we think, how could that possibly ever happen? But the reality is, it's just lifestyle creep times living in L.A. and, and whatever else. And they just keep doing a little more and making more, so they're taking out bigger loans and they end up with nothing. Here's just a few examples. Actor Johnny Depp made more than $400 million. That's a million times $400, and then had to declare bankruptcy. Uh, singer Lady Gaga admitted after making $40 million that she was completely out of money. NBA all-star Allen Iverson had made $200 million. 10 years later, he was completely broke. The list goes on. Nicolas Cage, Mike Tyson, Michael Jackson, Dennis Rodman. Here's the thing. These are just the famous people we know about. There are lots of people we don't know about who get a windfall inheritance of a few hundred thousand dollars or a few million, and the same thing happens. Because if you're not managing your money well at a small scale, if suddenly you get a windfall, your money managing habits aren't radically gonna change overnight. Now, I wanna give you some inspiration that there are opposite stories of this. There are stories of secretaries and school teachers who lived below their means and faithfully saved money, and as it compounded, the amount it built up to was unbelievable. Here's one example. Sylvia Bloom worked as a secretary for 67 years, and on a secretary's salary, no inheritance, as she kept investing and compounding her investments, her uh, fortune ended up being $8.2 million on a secretary's salary. 
Here's another. There's dozens of these examples. Actually, for every dramatic example of a fortune lost, there's an example of a fortune made. Um, Jane Kesson was a public school music teacher. And as she lived below her means and quietly saved, she accumulated a fortune of $4.7 million. Now, to me, these extremes, those who lose a fortune and those who make a fortune on very, you know, normal income, they tell us two things. One, they tell us that most Americans aren't actually living up to what you could be doing financially. They also tell us that even if you feel like your job is fairly humble and meager, you can get ahead financially if you make the right choices. So I want to give you today three pro tips to get your financial house in order and to get it growing. Three pro tips, and you're going to see that these align with the Word of God. They come from the Word of God, but it's one of my favorite things about the Bible. Because its truth is true and applies to everything in life, very often researchers will set out to study human behavior, and they'll survey thousands of people or do a very in-depth study, and they'll say, here's the principles of people who get ahead financially. And then you look at the Word of God, and it says, wow, look at that, 3,000 years ago, the Bible said the exact same thing. So here's an example, this book called The Millionaire Next Door. Millionaire Next Door was written by a guy who uh, retired early because he had saved up a lot of money. And he said, I want to do a study. I want to interview hundreds of people who've made more than a million dollars. None of these people inherited the money. They're all self-made. And this million just refers to the value of their home, all their assets, minus any debts that they have if it's over a million. And he studied a whole bunch of them to say, what are the traits that they have in common? And the traits they have in common were different from what he expected. And I'll give you three of them that we'll also see are found in the word of God 3,000 years ago, God said them. But here they are. Spend less, save more, and get out of debt other than a fixed rate debt on a home. Spend less, save more, get out of debt. Now, most of us would look at that and be like, yeah, no duh, I agree. The hard thing is not just looking at this, it's doing it, right? Week one of this series, we looked at that miracle when Jesus turned the water into wine. And Jesus' mom said to the servants, whatever he says, do it. Here's the thing about the Christian life. We do need to know the word of God. But if we want to see the results, it's about doing it. So how do we actually spend less? I mean, that's so much easier said than done. Well, let's look at a, a passage of scripture that describes this proverb. Verse 13, chapter 13, verse 7 says this. There are some people who are poor, but pretend to be rich. And there are others who are rich, but pretend to be poor. Now, this verse, some proverbs, it's not saying that either of these is sinful or, or good or bad morally. It's just an observation about life. Interestingly, the author of that book, The Millionaire Next Door, found this conclusion that most of these self-made millionaires looked a lot more poor on the outside than they actually were. So interesting that 3,000 years ago, God's word made the same observation. Now, I mentioned earlier, we've got dozens of families here in our movement who've moved from financial chaos and fear to complete freedom. And the way they typically do that is through the financial classes that we offer here. And they're led by a couple, Jeff and Julie Hoovner. Here's a picture of Jeff and Julie. And anytime during this message or even later today, you can text the word finances to this number to sign up for any of our budgeting workshops, our Financial Peace University, etc. But I wanted to ask Jeff and Julie on this matter of spending less, 
because they've worked with dozens of families in our community. I said, where are the areas right here where we live where most families struggle with their spending and most people? And they were happy to share with me from having talked with lots and lots of people. And they said, John, here are the two common budget busters. Right? Hopefully you've got some kind of budget and you know, here's how much I spend on the mortgage or on rent. Here's how much I spend on insurance. Here's what my cell phone bill is. Here's what internet is. They said the two most common budget busters are groceries and eating out. And so if you're finding that when you do your bills every month, you're like, why'd we overspend? We can't figure out where it is. There's a very good chance it's there. And the third would be with it, incidentals, things like you know, toilet paper, paper towels, those other things you pick up when you're at the store. And they, did you know they physically engineer the store to make you pass more stuff that you pick up? It's just cruel, okay? But they, they do that. So they said, those are the areas. So I want to give you just one pro tip today, and there's so many more in our classes with Jeff and Julie, but here's one pro tip. You can use a prepaid debit card. Now, there's some, there's some families who just use cash. They'll say, okay, you know, if we have 600 a month budgeted for that or 1,800 a month, I mean, wherever you are on the spectrum, whatever they have budgeted for that amount, they go to the ATM and they just take it out. And, you know, Mel and I considered that, and Mel was like, I don't really want to be walking around with, like, $900 in my purse. And so what we decided to do is a prepaid debit card. Here's how a prepaid debit card works. It looks exactly like a credit card. Here's three different brands. You could internet search any one of them and pick one. Chime is a brand, NetSpend, Square Cash. They all do the same thing. And what it is is you fund that card, and let's say you put $900 in there, and you've spent your 900 and you go to the store and you swipe the card, you know what it's gonna say? Declined. So instead of you going into debt on a credit card, it's just gonna say you don't have enough. And what's amazing about these is that on your phone, it automatically, every time you spend, say $5, $50, whatever, it texts you right away. It says, here's how much you spent, here's how much you have left. You can also set up a prepaid debit card to um, get paid whenever you get a paycheck. So you could say, out of my paycheck, I want X amount to go to the net spend card, and that's going to be our card for groceries, eating out, paper towels, all that stuff. That way we know every month that we're going to spend what we want to spend in that area. And if you, because you're always getting the text update and the, and the app update, you know, okay, there's five days until payday. I've got 150 left. We're, you know, we're going to be really careful until then. And if we run out, we'll just eat out of the pantry and we'll, you know, we'll figure out something until the next payday. It's a great tool. You could use cash as well. But the point is this. You can control your spending. There's great tools. And our financial classes will help you learn lots more of those. Now let's talk about saving more. We all want to save more, but it's hard to do. Here's a verse in Proverbs that talks about this. It says, take a lesson from the ants, the insects. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no ruler to make them work, of their own initiative, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. And so ants, you know, this is what I love about the Bible. It shows us from nature that ants, they store up kind of like squirrels do, you know. They build up their little stash so that in the winter when they can't find food, they can keep eating. And it's this principle that the author of this book says, again, this is just wisdom. When you're in the summer of your life, when you're in the prime of your life, it's a, a good time to plan ahead. So what's a pro tip 
in this area. Well, you can schedule an auto deposit where your paycheck automatically goes into a savings account or a retirement account. That's just one pro tip in this area. And if you're anything like me, it's good, you know, you pick this amount in your budget and it's never as much as you want it to be, so don't beat yourself up about that, but it's about the consistency. And you schedule that amount and if you're like me, it's good if it goes to a different bank than where your checking account is. Or in a retirement account that you get penalized if you take it out, because it's just out of sight, it's out of mind, and this is the kind of thing that those secretaries, those school teachers who slowly set aside, and because of compounding interest and other investments, it just builds and it builds. Well, let's look at this third step that was found by the researcher and is also in the Word of God, and that's to get out of debt. Book of Proverbs says that the borrower is servant or actually slave to the lender. As far as I know, the Bible never says that having debt is sinful. So this is not a moral thing. Don't feel shame or guilt. This is a wisdom thing. How wise do you want to be? How free do you want to be? Many times, like this verse says, debt is not wise the vast majority of the time. There's some situations, you know, if it's a fixed rate and it's an appreciating asset or whatever, let's not get into all that, okay? But the point is this, the Word of God says, count the cost before you build the tower. So before you take on any debt, whether credit card, auto, anything else, really know how much will I actually be paying for this? How long will it take me to pay it off? And project mentally out into the future. Once the doll is broken, and doesn't work anymore, will I still want to pay $20 for it? Uh, And just project out into the future. Well, I hope you got to play out in the snow or at least watch some kids play out in the snow. We can all remember as kids making a snowball and how you start with that little bit of snow and you pack it together and then you start to roll it. And especially if you're building a snowman, it keeps getting bigger and bigger. Here's a picture of a giant snowball. We all know that giant snowball started with a little bit in someone's hand. And this is the pro tip for paying down debt. You can snowball your debt payments. And what that means, Jeff and Julie can teach you a lot more about it, but what it means is that you start with the debt that you can pay off the fastest, or you might pick the one that has the highest interest rate. You get that one paid off. You, you kind of rearrange your life to say, we're gonna do everything we can to pay that debt off. And let's say it's 200 a month that you're paying on that debt. Well, as soon as it gets paid off, you don't go spend the 200 a month on something else. Now you take that 200 a month and you apply it to your next debt that you were paying 150 a month on. So now you're doing 350 a month on the one that only needs 150 and that starts to snowball. And then that one gets paid off and now you've got 350 a month to add to the next debt. Does this make sense? These are the kind of principles that actually work. We've got families in our church all over the spectrum from people who've paid off 10 or 15,000 of debt to people who've paid off hundreds of thousands in debt. And one of the common threads is them going through a class and some material that really works. I wanted you to hear straight from the couple that leads the course, Jeff and Julie Hoovner. Take a look at our interview. Hey, I'm here with Jeff and Julie Hoovner, who are part of our church family, and they've got an amazing story of God setting them free financially. But that's not all. They now lead our Financial Peace Ministries, classes that you can sign up for to get out of debt. Jeff and Julie, thanks for hanging out with me today. You bet. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, I'd love to just start by giving some hope to people who are watching. And, you know, you mentioned when we were talking once that 
money is a very private thing and it can be embarrassing to acknowledge if there's debt or if we just feel like our finances aren't under control. Would you guys be comfortable sharing with us some of the success stories of people who've gone through the financial classes here and how God's gotten them out of debt? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I received a text message from a uh, past class participant this last week, and they shared with me that they paid off over $15,000 uh, in debt over the past year. Uh, that's an amazing amount of money to pay off. But then when he said that he made $38,000 in income, that was really uh, eye-opening and wow. a great experience. Man, that's that's got to give hope to people who feel like their situation's out of control. Absolutely. Yeah. I had one couple that uh, was married, have been married for almost 10 years, paid off $86,000 in about two years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's uh, and they had job loss in there as well. Wow! So this stuff works. It does. Oh yes. Yeah, and I know part of why you two are passionate about it is that it's part of your story. Yeah, we started off and uh, we got married in 1991, and uh, we say that our story started right then. You know, we started with four new cars in five years, uh, and we all know what happens. Uh, it, well, I hope we know what happens with those. You know, you, you roll over that payment, roll over the debt, and the, you're way behind in your cars before you know it. But it didn't stop with cars. We uh, put everything on credit cards as well, and we tried to play the system, get the points. Uh, by 1996, the bottom fell out. And that's when we, I lost my job, and uh, we, we really went into a time of uh, despair, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, and we, we had two young children and just felt we we just didn't know what to do. Yeah. And so we went to try to credit counseling service and they told us you need $500 more a month. Well, okay, yeah, but that was easier to say than to do. And so we left feeling pretty hopeless, almost hopeless, except that this church has a library and and I love to read. And we went into the library and we took out some books by Ron Blue and Larry Burkett and Dave Ramsey in particular. And we just started to read and learn and just apply one new thing each, you know, as we learned. And slowly, very slowly, we just used those principles and started making better choices. It, it changed how we behaved, it changed how we thought, and it ultimately changed our lives. Because we did finally, after many years, it took it took us a long time, but we we are debt free. Wow, completely out of debt. Completely, completely out, of debt. out of debt. As you guys have been on this journey from being completely in fear and and feeling like there was no hope to now being in complete freedom, what would you say you've learned about God in this journey? The details that we sometimes uh, focus on are the details that God wants us to give to Him. Mm -hmm. And you know, we learned that we can't carry this burden by ourselves. We had to give it over to God. Yes. Uh, or um, you know, we would have stayed in that hopeless yeah. state. Yeah. Um, but giving it over to God that uh, was really freeing yes. for us. He was waiting. He was ready to help. And now, through you guys, he's waiting and ready to help a whole new batch of people who want to be set free. Absolutely. Yes. Well, thanks for your hearts to serve. Thanks for sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you. Isn't that inspiring? There's hope. There's hope no matter what your situation 
is, and I want to show you guys this picture of Jeff and Julie recently on a vacation, because you might watch that video and get the idea, oh man, you know, spending less than I make, and you know, it's, life's going to be so boring. Here's Jeff and Julie on a recent vacation they took where they paid for everything with cash, and they were able to enjoy that time and then come home and not a month later figure out how we're going to pay for that great time that we had. The point is that God wants you to be free, and God's principles actually do work. And to me, another inspiring thing about Jeff and Julie's story is that when it was hard, and when many couples in that moment where everything's falling apart financially, it's so easy to blame the other one and to fight with each other, and that's where so many divorces begin, they bonded together and they said, we're going to get through this together. And I want to encourage you as you're listening or watching, work with your spouse on this. Um, all of us have times we spend what we didn't want to spend. You can work together to get it under control. You can work together to get out of debt. You can work together to get ahead way more than you ever thought possible. If we had told Jeff and Julie back in 1996 that someday they'd be completely debt-free and that they'd have savings and other things in addition, they wouldn't have believed it in the moment, but they did it God's way. So here's a picture again. You'll see Jeff and Julie in the lobby today, or you can text the word finances to them. You can text it anytime this week, and you can sign up for budgeting classes, Financial Peace University, work with your spouse, or if you're a single work with yourself to apply God's principles so you can be financially free. This is about freedom in every area of your life. Well, that's why we exist as a church is to connect you to God's power, which actually works in life. And like Julie said in that story, it takes some perseverance. It takes some endurance. It took them a number of years to really develop these habits. And if you're like me and other normal people, you'll try a little and you'll have some successes and then you'll fail, but you just get back up, you keep going and you slowly grow, you slowly build. Another tool we'd love to give you today, just as our investment in you of saying, we believe in you, we believe in your family, we wanna help you. We've got a free book. This is the book that Julie picked up from the church library and it's available to you out in our connection corner as you make your way out today. This book can get you into a place of financial freedom. And as she mentioned, we've got a church library. There's lots of financial resources in there in addition to our classes. Well, we have only scratched the surface today of what the Bible has to say on money. Believe it or not, there are hundreds of verses about money in the Bible. So if you want to go even deeper in the Word of God, I'd encourage you today, you can pick up a Life Application Study Bible. This is a tool we recommend all those domains of your life, your spiritual life, your family life, your career, the Word of God speaks to them all. And what I love about the Life Application Study Bible is in the back there's an alphabetical index by topic. So if you look up money in the back, it takes you to 120 different passages. And each passage underneath, there's a little note from a pastor who says this is what this actually means and how it applies to your life. You can look up um, sexuality, spending, habits. You can look up any topic and find out for yourself what the Word of God has to say about it. Well, let me just leave you with one scripture. There was a time when Jesus was talking and he said this, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? What does it profit a man or a person if they make $200 million but they die and they don't know where they're gonna spend eternity? You leave it all behind. 
The reality is that the principles of God's word, if you apply them, they will increase your net worth. You will have more money. You will be worth more financially if you do your finances God's way. But God says that's not the most important domain of your life. You need to know where your soul is going to spend eternity. I showed you those domains earlier, and I actually know people who came to faith in Christ, and it started with their finances. They said, I'm going to do my money God's way because I've seen it work. Other people I know who have done well did it God's way. And as they saw that the word of God works with dollars and cents, they started to realize it actually works in our souls as well. And what he says about eternity is true as well. So use these principles for your benefit, but don't stop there. Make sure you know where your soul will spend eternity. Concluding thought, someday you will look back on your life and you will either say, I wish I had, or I'm glad I did. And that's true of you saving and preparing for retirement. You're going to someday look back and say, I wish I had, or I'm so glad I did. And it's even more true when the day comes for all of us that we look our creator in the eyes and he says, you need to give account for your life. And you'll just say, I wish I had placed my faith in Jesus, or I'm so glad I did that the righteousness of Jesus was applied to me. So I wanna pray that for you now. God wants the best for every area of your life. Father, across this room, Lord, you see where each of us are. And Lord, I know right now there's someone listening and the step they need to take is to know where their soul is gonna be for eternity, to place their faith in you for the forgiveness of their sins. I pray that even in this moment, Lord, they would surrender to you. They'd call out to you and say, Jesus, I believe you're God. I believe you died on the cross for me. I receive your forgiveness. God, for all of us, we want to look back on our life from heaven and say, I'm so glad I did rather than I wish I had. And Lord, even in this life, in our finances, we thank you that you give us principles so that we can look back and say, I'm so glad I did. I'm in a place to help others. I'm in a place to give. I'm in a place of freedom because I followed God's principles. Whatever you say to do, we will do. And so God, I just pray, Lord, uh, it's not about a number amount in the bank. It's about a lifestyle of freedom where we control our money rather than the other way around so we can be free to live for you and to help others and to experience joy and peace. And so God, show every one of us what is that next step for us to take. Maybe it's getting a prepaid debit card. Maybe it's setting up some retirement savings. Maybe it's snowballing the debt payments. Maybe it's signing up for the financial peace class. Whatever that next step is that each of us can take, help us to do it today. The knowledge won't help us unless we act on it. So help us to act. We know that you will. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.